Welcome back to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Today's guest is running for Champagne Counter Recorder of Deeds, Mike Ingram. Thank you so much for joining me today. Ah, thanks for having me. Mike, you were the very first guest on this very podcast almost two years ago. You picked up a guitar that day. You made up the intro and outro music for this podcast on your first attempt off the top of your head. Let me just say thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting this started. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I don't remember that that was the first take, but okay, I believe you. Before we get into what a recorder of deeds actually does, let's talk about what you do. In case there's someone in Champaign County who hasn't heard of you, what is a brief synopsis of your backstory? My parents are both Vermilion County folks. I was born in Danville, and at the time, my grandfather was a Republican County board member over in Vermilion County. Um, That was my mom's dad. My dad's dad was a Democratic precinct committee person, Seemingly, my parents were very uh, Montague Capulet kind of situation. So then my parents weren't married super long. And then my mom remarried a guy that was in the Navy. So I spent most of my adolescence bouncing around the country as a Navy dependent, living on or off base on the coast most of the time. I would come back here summers and Christmases. So I got to I got to see a lot of the country and live in a lot of places, but also come back and do all of the uh, central Illinois things like the tasseling and, you know, uh, farm related stuff and all that. To high school, when my stepfather got out of the Navy, we landed back in Illinois, in Muhammad, of all places. That's where I finished high school. And so I've been in Champaign County since I was in high school. I stuck around here to start college. I've been here ever since. Met my wife here. Met all my closest friends and contacts here and made a life here. Flash forward to the fact that you're running for Recorder of Deeds, and according to the county website, the Champaign County Recorder of Deeds serves the people of Champaign County by receiving, filing, and maintaining all records related to real property in our county. What do you actually know about the day-to-day operations in this office? So the day-to-day operations of the office, it's not super front-facing in terms of how many county residents actually interact with the recorder's office. It's not something that a lot of people in the county know what it does, or even that it exists. A lot of times, even when you are buying a house or property or something like that, the people that do the work with the recorder's office typically are not the homeowner. It's more of the people that are handling things like companies and your real estate agents and lawyers and things like that. They're handling the things that you that you just mentioned. There's a few other things too. There are other responsibilities that have come along with the recorder's office. It's mostly just the record-keeping arm of the county government. You'd even be handling things like any honorable discharge records from the military. Mostly it's just real estate-based. It's all property stuff, plots, plats, things, things like that. There's a small but dedicated, wonderful staff in that office that does the job very well. You are running on a unique platform of having this office phased out, closed, no more taxpayer money. What gave you the idea of doing that, and how do you plan on implementing that plan? I, kind of like a lot of the other residents of the county, I would say, in my experience, didn't know a whole lot about the recorder's office. I knew it was an elected position and I'd seen it on the ballot before, but I didn't, I didn't know all of its functions. And then, you know, learning more about it a little bit as I was getting more into politics and especially when I ran for county board and then have been sitting through, you know, legislative budget hearings and things like that, learning more and more about how we are one of the few counties left in Illinois that has a recorder of deeds. Uh, we're down to 14 now. Uh, when I started on the county board, I think it was 18, and I think it, I think it's four that have uh, dissolved or are about to go away this year. So learning about that and the fact that most counties don't have one and that their county clerk actually handles just being the department head of the recorder of deeds office, that was kind of something that piqued my interest a little bit because I was a little bit curious as to why 
Champaign County had a, a, a stronger Republican base for a very long time. And I was kind of curious as to why a fiscally conservative, smaller government party would continue to hang on to this as, as so many other counties didn't. And it just seemed like, you know, okay, well, if, if that's not something that they're interested in doing, I think looking into the office, we are paying too much money for the function of that partisan elected official. And it just didn't make sense to me to to keep it around. So I figured if the, if the person in the office wasn't going to take that stand, then maybe somebody could run for it and make that same stand. To answer the end of your question, though, about how to do it, voters have to approve it. So it would have to be a ballot measure. My plan is to do that in the spring election. There's never been a time where voters in Illinois have been asked if they wanted to eliminate the recorder position, and they've said no. They've always resoundingly voted yes to get rid of the position. And so I figure we're probably due for that as well here in in Champaign County. The current Champaign County clerk, Aaron Ammons, he's on board with this whole plan? Yes, yes, he is. I talked to him. I wanted to make sure first, our current clerk, to make sure that he was fine with the idea and that he would be comfortable assuming another branch in his office. Speaking of Aaron Ammons, early voting is underway. Aside from you, who else has a race that we should be following right now? So I think the coroner's race is really interesting. We obviously have a longtime coroner, which some people like, some people don't, I'm sure. I love the idea of having a, uh, a person with some medical background and experience in the office. I think Chandra Bishop is an incredible candidate. I'm uh, very excited to see what the office could look like with, with her in it. Obviously, one of the focus on races in this election is the treasurer's race, because that whole thing is just a complete mess. Obviously, I'm interested in getting somebody in there who will actually do something worthwhile and fix the place instead of make it worse, which is unfortunately the situation that we found ourselves in. I think that's going to be the the one that people are focused on most as we ramp up into the election. I think a lot of really great candidates, and I'm really hopeful that we're going to see a pretty, pretty solid amount of people actually vote. And I would love to see people vote regardless of party affiliation. I would like to just actually see high turnout in general. Let's talk about down ballot for a second. The county board... It has always been partisan, Democrats versus Republicans. Recently, it got ugly among the Democratic Party. What were the core issues that created that tension, and was it resolved? It definitely wasn't resolved, no. I guess the only way that you could say that it was resolved is that everybody who took a poor stance in that fight got bounced out of their primary. So it was resolved in that regard. Democrats always get labeled as petty and infighting and all that stuff. You know, the longer I've been involved in this, the more I feel like there's a lot of truth to that. I think part of the reason for that, though, is that when you are the big tent, lots of ideas party, that creates more tension amongst people who maybe aren't perfectly ideologically aligned. The old adage of Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line is pretty clever because it's pretty damn true. We see it locally. We see a lot of times even people who have principled objections to things on the Republican side of the board uh, will still vote in lock. And that's not to say the Democrats don't do it as well, but it's just been chaos within the party leading up to the last couple of years. And, you know, there have been a couple of people that stepped forward to try to mitigate some of those issues and and have a better approach from the top down. Uh, We had some pretty poor party leadership for the last couple of years. So it's been nice to actually be in a party that's working and doing things more solidly now. But on the county board, it's just kind of a fractured caucus, unfortunately. There's a 
subdivision of the of the Democratic caucus. And depending on which day it is, you may or may not be able to count on their votes. Since you and I last talked on tape, you are now holding a position with the Champaign County Democratic Party. What does that entail? So I'm the vice chair of the party, and that basically is a catch-all, I guess. I have to handle all the duties and responsibilities when the chair isn't present, obviously. Things haven't been, of course, perfect this year because we've been trying to work around a pandemic, but it's been kind of nice again. And we've gotten lots of comments, not just at the new headquarters, but you know, from people through email and things like that, of people that are like, wow, it's nice to see an organized party or it's nice to see you know, actual enthusiasm. We've been trying to take the best of what people have to offer and use it in, in ways that won't turn them off from coming back. Uh, which unfortunately for a long time, a lot of people felt very alienated and like they weren't welcome or wanted. So trying to fix all those issues, it's a lot to fix, but working on it. Aside from politics, you're a musician and there have been no public concerts or performances this year. How have you gotten creative in showcasing your talent and local talent? It's been pretty rough on the scene and Illinois in particular has been not really doing much in terms of entertainment. So most of the things that that I would normally consider what I do for a living or my day job have been out of commission for the year. I've been running open mic nights in this town and trying to build up and showcase newer and local talent for a long time. That's basically started happening virtually, which I think has actually been very helpful. We just changed the regular open mic night from Monday nights at Canopy Club to Monday nights uh, on Zoom. And for a lot of people or outside of it, a lot of people say that it's nice because it's one of the only ways that they are still connected to people that they used to see regularly, people that they want to be able to see and talk to. And a lot of musicians have been doing live streams, you know, Instagram live or Facebook live, things like that. And those are really great for getting out to an audience, but you don't have the reciprocation of being able to see your audience. You can maybe see comments scrolling if you're lucky, but in Zoom, when we do these open mics, it's nice because you have everybody's faces. You can leave up the kind of gallery view Brady Bunch panel. And in real time, you can see people responding to songs that you're playing or things that you say. And it gives a little bit back of what it used to feel like in person. Of course, it's still not great, but it gives you a little bit more than just doing something with a live stream. Everybody's trying to adapt the best they can. People are doing outside shows. People are doing back patio shows, people are, you know, doing recordings and trying their best to kind of try to eke out a living if that was their living before. It's challenging like it is in a lot of industries right now. And all I want to do is figure out a way to fix it. And unfortunately, there's not really an easy way. Prior to COVID, you're running a music camp. Tell me about the camp and some of the kids that have come out of it. If you want to talk about one of my biggest, biggest disappointments of 2020, it's not being able to do any of the music camps that would have been happening this summer. ISYM, which is Illinois Summer Youth Music. A lot of people have a remembrance of that as a more traditional style band camp of like, you know, going and, and working with, with the clarinets all week or doing, you know, jazz or something like that. But Brandon T. Washington and I are lucky enough to be the director and assistant director of the rock, rock band program. If you think about School of Rock, it's very similar in that we get a bunch of kids who all have varying interests in different kinds of genres and bands. We get a week to kind of put them in bands and, and get them, you know, writing songs or learning songs. They basically, at the end of the week, get to put on what I always think is a pretty great concert. And it's kind of one of the things that actually makes me feel like generally better as a human being every year. So not doing it this year was very hard. The old, the kids are all right. I definitely feel that every single year. I'm a mentor 
and on the CU one-to-one mentoring board. So I see a lot of kids in school and I see my mentee in school. And that's with a lot of kids that, you know, you know, but you don't maybe have common interests with or whatever. And, and kids are kids and they're mean to each other or they're, you know, just not as harmonious as you expect. And as we all were at that age, but it's very strange to see a bunch of junior high or early high school kids in like a school situation or sports. We see incoming sixth graders to incoming 12th graders at ISYM. And that's a very wide range of ages, times in your life. And it's, it's always very heartening to me to actually watch the way that they interact with each other. And I watch how the older kids take care of the younger kids. There was one time where there was uh, a young woman crying across the room. And before I could even get across the room to figure out what was going on, two of the junior women had kind of jumped in and were already talking to her and already ensuring, assuring her that, you know, that she would feel welcome. And by the end of the week, she'd be having a great time and that everybody's homesick the first time and that kind of stuff. And it just like totally broke me down, but like in the best possible way, kids get bagged on a lot. They're just doing the best they can. And it's pretty great when you see that at least they have one thing that they all care about or have in common. And for this camp in particular, it's music. And that's kind of all they need to level the playing field a little bit, I think, between ages and personality types. It's really nice to see. Obviously, you're talented as a musician, but you're also an artist. You created an all-Black Lives Matter design, which you can get on hoodies, tees, and tanks. Where can we find that merchandise? Wise Camp Screen Printing has the page up for getting it on a t-shirt or a hoodie. I think that's going to be up for a little bit longer. We might, we might take it down for a little bit and then relaunch it. It's been great. It's just an idea that I had. It's really the first thing that I'd ever designed that I felt really good about. It's just been kicking around in my head for a little while. I think, you know, anybody that wants to put out whatever message, however in-depth or however basic when it comes to, you know, Black Lives Matter in yards become kind of a, a thing that people are, are seeking out. And in kind of not necessarily in response to people's need to shout All Lives Matter back whenever somebody says Black Lives Matter. But I had this kind of thing in my head about like, you know, we talk a lot about it's a very broad concept, of course. Black people are not monolithic as they have different likes, desires, political leanings, tastes. There's a breadth of Black experience and Black understanding that's out there that we don't really necessarily talk about, especially as, as white people. But like my whole thing was it's everything about Black existence that we should be talking about and respecting. There's music that we as white people or as a white society have copied from Black musicians and taken kind of from them. And there's ideas and there's art and there's TV and there's there's just so many things that we've kind of appropriated over the years. You get two I have to ask questions. And the first one, I don't even know how exactly to ask it without sounding rude, but a lot of people are sick of electing white dudes. But you seem to sidestep all of that criticism and you seem to have universal support. To what do you attribute that kind of universal appeal? That's flattering. I don't know if it's universal. I mean, I'm, I've certainly met some people who probably would prefer to have a black candidate in the race. I try to take a lot of care with it, and I try not to step into spaces where it's not really my place. I have kind of an affinity for learning about things that aren't like me, because most of my life has been spent learning about people that look like me or sound like me. I would hope that in most cases that care is evident. I also know that if I overstepped or if somebody told me that I was getting something wrong, that I'm willing to hear that and learn from it. And I hope that that would be the kind of thing that does make it, I don't know if the word's more acceptable, but I certainly 
have felt in the past and have been told that I said something the right way or that I clearly cared about an issue or am willing to to kind of stand up. A lot of people that look like me don't hear points or don't hear the issues unless it comes from another person that looks like them. So I think I try to occupy that space as often as humanly possible because I think it's important. And then when something that doesn't necessarily need that kind of attention or my face, then I'm really happy to stand aside and boost the person who is the person who should be talking or whatever. I I would hope that it just has to do with the amount of care and thought that I put into things. I don't get everything right and I haven't always gotten everything right. And that's always an important thing to listen to as well. Last question before I let you go. One more I have to ask. What is the one injustice, and you have to pick only one, that pisses you off the most? The one injustice that pisses me off the most. Hess, this is a terrible question. No, it's the best question I've asked you yet. So think about it. There there are just so many that need constant focus and attention and that I never have enough time or attention to focus on all of them at once. How do you differentiate in your head between things like throughout history treatment of women as subservient and the over scrutiny and over management of like women's bodies. How do you pick between that and this country's just literal foundation and history of subjugating black people? I don't even know how to break those two up. Racial injustice and gender injustice I don't know how to pick between those, Elizabeth. This is an impossible decision. All right, I'll let you pick two. Wow, how fast you caved. I did, I know. But women and minorities and the oppression, it runs deep. I'm not going to make you pick one. It's really hard because I'm literally of the look and type of person who like, literally has been leading the charge on this stuff throughout history. And I can't fix those injustices, I can't really even do all that much, but like doing what I can with, with what little influence I have, holding the door open for anybody that's coming behind who unfortunately would still be a first. I mean, we're talking about like assuming that Chandra and CJ both got elected, that would be just the third and fourth countywide black elected officials ever in this county after Aaron was the second just two years ago. It would be the first and second black women elected countywide in this county. The fact that we're still hitting milestones like that, and that's because I don't have a better term, the fact that we're still hitting those like those moments in 2020 is insane to me. It shouldn't be that way, but like I can't really make a decision between those two things because I've watched too much of it happen to people that don't look like me. If someone wants to support your campaign or has a question, what's the best way to get in touch with you? All social media is just at elect Mike Ingram. The website is electmikeingram.com. That's I-N-G-R-A-M. I try very hard to be as responsive as possible, even when it's people that are looking for a, just a negative reaction. But I don't know. I, I grew up in two very differing families with lots of different ideas floating around and learned as a kid how to navigate different ideas and actually learn sometimes from them. So even when somebody comes with some very strange stuff where they're obviously trying to just bait, uh, sometimes I feel like being able to 
find some sort of connection. Thank you for listening to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Mike Ingram, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me.